Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Keith Johnson. The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menunos and Bing.com and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's American Horror Story After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424-256-1729. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's American Horror Story After Show. All right, all right, all right. Hi. Hi, and welcome to AfterBuzz for American Horror Story. I am Jackie Borowski, and across from me is... I'm JC Rubio. And I'm Stephen Lemieux. Um, I just want to clear up a misconception. We read fan comments. We love we love to hear feedback. Um, there seem to be quite a few fans that thought that we didn't like the show. And first, I want to remind you that we... This show is very bizarre in the way that we have a second season that has absolutely nothing to do with the first season, but has the same characters. So it's it's almost I don't think it's ever been done before. Like you can't it's hard to it's hard to um, to come into something when you don't you, when you don't have much of a reference and um, we don't hate the show, but I, I do think it's important to be critical of things that you like. Even if, you, even if you're enjoying something, that doesn't mean that you have to like everything about it. Now, with that said, also, it was the first episode. They had to, th- you know, they had to lay the, the base, the groundwork. Right. And a lot of stuff's coming at you. But It I was think- bad groundwork. I also I- think that the show had bad groundwork. I would, and- not, I would not go with that. Okay. I disagree. Okay. I... I tweeted an article today that there are several people who did think that that mm-hmm. it had it had a bad layout and this is um, this is this episode is what I wanted to see. Fantastic. This is the intro that I wanted to see. I wanted to see the bam in your face. This is scary. We're moving the plot along. We're moving the characters along. We're not. We're keeping the story succinct and related to one another. All these points I could connect the dots. Mm-hmm. I think this episode this is what they should have produced last week. Definitely. This episode was much more put together, and actually, I really enjoyed this episode. It was, it, it, it was enjoyable to see how the, the cause and effect of what was happening, because there's a lot of things in the beginning that they set up that actually came to a conclusion in the end, and you're just like, wow, and then you have the other things that you're like... It's so bizarre. Working television, a working script, a script that connects things together. But, I mean... I don't know. I don't want to get too critical right off the bat right now, but 
No, no, as well. I have no problem being critical. You guys can hate me all you want for being critical, <laughs> but I have I have an MA in critical television theory, which is why I even if I love something, I will break it down and see if something makes it better. Why? What makes it good? And I think that's why we're here. Exactly, because we all have opinions, and right? Just like the super fans, you know, right. they may not all have MAs, but they have a passion. We all share that passion for the show, right? And that's what we all have right. that brings us together. And one thing on the lighter note. Did you notice on tonight's episode, along with the first episode, we talked it had some elements of Carrie last week. And this week, I picked up a little bit of Psycho with the shower scene. Definitely. And, yeah. the, and yes. also a little bit of The Exorcist with the mist. When the, <laughs> a little bit of no, The Exorcist. No, no, not, not because of The Exorcism, per se, but when the priests arrived... They had oh. the, the mist, just like the just like the Exorcist in the movie. That that was the intro for the priest well, and the cross falling at the end. You know, so it has, it has these right. little little tongue in cheek type. I of things. think I think a lot of this show though is an homage. I think I think that's um, I think Ryan Murphy is a really smart person, and I think that he knows exactly what he's doing, and he's very pop culture savvy. So he will bring that in on any show he does, which also brings me to another introductory point. Oh, Bing is for doing. That is an introductory point. I, that I would is say. an introductory point slash side note. But um, there were also some people that were concerned that we were mentioning politics too much. But I don't know if our fans know a lot about Ryan Murphy. But Ryan Murphy is a huge Obama supporter. You have to know it to know what he puts out because he's he's a gay man who is who is very political and he spends he spent he spent a lot of time campaigning for Obama. So it's it's I don't think that there are subtle references. I think these are hit over your head. This is something Ryan Murphy does. They're pretty pretty blatant. Yeah, this is this is something he does. So it's not this is not Knowing that going into it, you, you kind of have to understand that that's where he's coming from. So we open this episode with Bloody Face. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, now we know, would you agree? Now we know that Kit is not Bloody Face. It can't be at two places at the same time. He can't. He can't. In two time periods. Well, here's the thing Is Bloody Face necessarily bad? He stabbed the bejesus out of hold somebody. On, hold hey, on, hold but on. That's the singer of Maroon Five. I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> people who would do that. He doesn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from his voice duties and whatnot, but I thought about this when watching. I, I did catch it last night. And I you know watched it again tonight before we went on. But Bloody Face, he's just maybe being protective of the territory and the people right. that the people that he killed. The people he was just protecting Briarcliff. He's just protecting. We don't know that about him yet. Is he a psychotic killer? He's just being protective. We don't know yet. It's too early to tell. Well, do you think maybe Bloody Face is a copycat killer? Do you, you know in the sense that um, there was one in the past? Now there was one, one in the past, the and there's one now, and it it. I mean, I, you can't. I, this guy is obviously not an old guy. He's chasing people around. If it was, if it was someone from the '60s who was the same exact person doing this crime, it wouldn't, it wouldn't add up because he's chasing these people down. He's too spry for that. But, so it's either a copycat killer or it's something supernatural. You say that it wouldn't add up, but at the same time, you can think about it that they added the aspect of supernatural into this episode, right? So yes. there is. Yes, JC is very happy about this. We had to restrain him like they did Kit in the screening room after they did this. But no, um, interesting about Bloody Face is I don't know if it would be a copycat killer per se just because when you see him in both times, he is exactly the same. There is no, there is no difference. And it's not his skin on his face that's messed up. That's a mask completely. You can see the seams. It's like a sewn together right. uh, 
creepy. Like, so you think it's supernatural? I think it's supernatural the okay. fact that he is something eternal that is okay. attached to Briarcliff. No, I can see that. Mm, okay. So this episode centers around the exorcism. Right. That's uh, the main gist of the episode where you have the this dichotomy of... Um, Psychology, which is the new world, and again we taught we're in the '60s, so we know it's a it's a time of a lot of changing ideas. And so you have Dr. Oliver, who represents the new world, the psychology, the uh, forward thinking. Zachary Kinto, right? And then you have um, uh, Sister Jude, Sister Jude, who represents the old world and the. Um, no. Exorcism or the religious, uh, the the more fanaticism, I would say, of mm-hmm. a of a past. Um, first off, I I don't even know if this is like up for comment. But do you guys think that? Do you think that this person was really possessed? And that's the theme, the overall theme. If you think about what um, Doctor Arden said in the first episode, that the devil is made up in the front cortex of the mind. Right. So, is are we really seeing what we're seeing, or is this just a construct of our own fears, of the characters' fears? Right. That that's that's what I'm wondering. Well, one of the uh, one of the things I was thinking about while watching this episode was we were talking about who whose uh, vision the story is through, like whose eyes are we seeing the story right. through. And what was an interesting point that I thought of is maybe the eyes we're seeing the story through is somebody reading the diary of Jude or something like that. And in that case, then it wouldn't be something supernatural. It's just her take on the situation. But otherwise, I think the exorcism, if that's not the case, then the exorcism seemed completely real and they're bringing in the supernatural to the show and they'll I, continue it. I feel the exorcism, and again, like you said, it ex- it mimics exorcist you know it was was so well done you have like you have the the grainy voice you have the specific references to the uh the demon knowing these people's problems Mm -hmm. and um and so uh what was i gonna say so then you have this showdown between sister jude and sister all or sister oliver (laughs) dr oliver um do you guys think dr oliver was asked there just to evaluate, um, what's his name? Tate? No. Kit. Kit. Yes. Tate's his old name. Sorry. Just to evaluate him. Or do you think maybe he was asked to see what was going on there? I think he's a man of principles. I think that he was asked to do Kit, but it's more of the, uh, you can't exactly walk through a hallway covered in crap and not see the crap. That's, I mean, okay. if that makes any sense. Right. I, because I I don't know, like, because you, you hear the story where, um, oh my gosh, I'm still learning these characters' names. I think it's too early for Oliver. Too early? Yes. We just got the intro for him this week. So well, perhaps we, they'll be planting a seed. He'll go away for a time. Well, remember what Jed said when he was possessed? Uh-huh. He, he, you know, you're, the reason why your mother gave you up for adoption. Right. If you caught that. And remember, the asylum is a haven for all the people that were unloved. Right. So then Oliver's unloved, so maybe there is a reason why he belongs at the asylum. Right. I think everybody who's there belongs there. I mean, I I would say that arguably everybody who's there belongs there. I just think that maybe he has more of a... um, I'm sorry. Lena, like Lena's... I think he has more of a storyline like Lena's where she... Pretended she was going in to to do um, a expose about the or a expose a story about the bakery, but then wanted to really secretly do an expose. I think maybe that might be more of his motive as well. Okay. Hmm. And, and you brought you brought up Lana, and I just forget, we forgot to mention about the offing of Wendy. 
Right. Of now, I don't know if she's dead or what. But I was thinking if Bloody Face killed um, Wendy, you know, which he did. It looked I'm like pretty he's dead. sure he did. Okay, so when and how is Lana going to find out about Wendy's death? Would it be just crazy if she encounters Bloody Face and he's wearing Wendy's face? Uh, because th- they say that Bloody I, Face is right. wears his victim's face. That would make sense. I mean, that would be that would make total sense. And I also think she is actually dead because um, you can't. I mean, she's one of the main characters in the asylum, and basically, she she was going to break her out and then gets killed. And and so this effectually kills that storyline where she doesn't have a savior anymore. It's up to her. It's up to her to um, so, figure so, that out. So, and we know, and by this, we know that Kit cannot be bloody faced because he can't be two places at once. Well, there is there is the uh, the other thing at the end with Doctor Arden, with seeing the pictures. Do you think that it's possible that Arden is bloody face? We'll get to that because I don't I don't want to I don't want to start with the end. Well. Are we, um, oh, so we're, are we going to tease it up for a little bit later? Okay, because that's yes. our juiciest piece. Yeah, task. that is our basically our juiciest piece. Okay, okay well, um, I want to throw something in there then because okay. where, where the episode begins kind of opens up for a lot of the episode, too, with the side plot of uh, Lana and Kit and, uh, what's her name, Grace. Right. And that is with Jude talking to Arden at the very beginning, talking about, how about we try electroshock therapy with her? Mm-hmm. Because there was a big there was a big point right in the beginning where that was her straw that breaks the camel's back where she needs to be like I need to get out of here right because she was writing down notes and she'd find out about that right do you um, have you guys ever seen this is so random Return to Oz no no that opens that that's a movie that opens with electroshock therapy and I just every time I think about it like. It's it's such a horrifying like psychological thing that they used to do, and it's like so ineffectual and, and, and antiquated that it, it becomes a great symbol. Because anytime anybody thinks of electroshock therapy, they're like, "Oh my god, that's so like that's so old." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's the perfect. Um, it's terrifying, like the way. But it's the perfect. It's the perfect way to show how terrifying and insane asylum is. That is, that is like one of the. Tantamount terrifying. I've got a question that you know, both of us brought up while watching the episode, while Stephen and I were watching it. Mm-hmm. When uh, when Lana was being you know being shocked, how mm-hmm. could the other doctors hold her down without them getting shocked themselves? Yeah, I don't know about yeah, that was, because usually you're strapped down. Yeah, right. we were wondering that. It and, just seemed everything about the acting was believable. Everything except for the fact that they were touching her skin while she was being scotched. Maybe there is a way we just don't know. So like yeah. people tweet us or give, you know send us a comment of how it's done. That'd be great. But I'll, since we're talking about the electroshock treatment, do you notice when um when Sister Jude was holding uh, was holding Lana down, it seemed like um she felt bad for what she was doing. And, and that made me think, because remember, how this shows there's going to be so many twists and turns. I'm wondering if deep down inside, this is all formulated because Sister Jude wants to get Dr. Arden. Mm-hmm. They're the complete polar right. opposites. They're, they're the, they're the uh, antagonist, protagonist. antagonists. I mean, it's weird because I wouldn't call one person one over the other. So they're basically the two main antagonists together against they're, each other. They're the competing forces. Right. And what I was thinking is that it seems like Lana wants to blow everything up, you know, by writing the article, by infiltrating and find out what's going on in Briarcliff and sending it out to the masses. Mm -hmm. But I think maybe Sister Jude might be on the same page. This is really deep, though. But 
it's not it's not time enough. She needs more information. Because when I saw her shock, you know, helping shock Atlanta, you could see that she felt bad for what she was doing. Well, I think that brings us into our next point, which is our discovery of Sister Jude's past. Mm-hmm. We we basically find out she was a lounge singer mm-hmm. and she was really drunk one night and killed a girl and I think I, I think it's inferred as far as this storyline that this is why she becomes a nun. Yeah. And we also learn from the last episode she doesn't drink alcohol, so this is also why she doesn't drink alcohol. So she is she is suppressing a lot of her own like very violent and upsetting history. And so I think that yes, I think that she does feel I think that there was sympathy there. And I think that she also has sympathy to um, Sister Mary because, uh, remember, she in the last episode, she's calling Sister Mary, uh, oh, I forget what she calls her. She says something basically like that you're stupid. And then don't ever call yourself stupid. And then changes and says don't ever call yourself stupid. I think she's she's battling her own like self worth issues. Well a very a very interesting thing about Sister Jude that is a very that's a competing uh, emotional thing for her is when she was uh during the exorcist scene where she's mm-hmm. in the room, everything that uh what's his name? Do we have Jed. Jed, yeah. Everything that Jed was saying Nothing was a lie. Like, it was literally the writers telling you, here, 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 That's why I think it had to be, like, in the question of if he's possessed or not, he has to be possessed. Because he knows too much about the characters. But but what I'm saying is, like, what he says, like, I wrote down some of the quotes. He says, you're a whore, 53 guys, and the girl in the blue dress. Like, it's it's great to see the chemistry between Jude and Shelly, who's the nymphomaniac, because in the previous episode, you see every time every time they're in the same room, it's like, think of Jude dealing with her own past. Like, yeah. no, you're just, no. Like, hates right. her. Absolutely hates her. It's like she's looking at her previous self. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, they're doing a lot with whores and harlots and everything in this in these two episodes. Especially including Arden. We'll get to that later. But it's... I have, well, I had... Um... I was reading an interview with Ryan Murphy. Again, it's on my Twitter if you want to follow a link to it. Um, I think it was with The Hollywood Reporter. He says, Jessica Lange this year on American Horror Story is very much my childhood obsession with Catholicism and trying to be without sin and failing in my journey through that. So I think this is, again, this is um, because he makes his shows so personal. I think this is has a lot to do with his own personal struggle of, as a gay man... And if he grew up Catholic, there's a lot of there's a lot of personal struggle with your own sexuality with that. And I think that that might be him exploring that in this show. And you hear it in lines um, basically when um, when Zachary Quinto's character, when uh, Dr. Thredson was shocked by the by by the barbaric usage of electric shock therapy to cure homosexuality. Right. Now, I thought it was neat that he had that line. What was what was his line there? I couldn't I didn't quite behavior catch it. modification is the current standard behavior modification. OK, that's what I was thinking. I wrote it down, though, too, because I think and again, I'll say this. I've said this before, is that because Ryan Murphy is so invested and last season wasn't as political. And because Ryan Murphy was so invested, is so invested in politics, I think he's really, really heavy hard hitting these issues and bringing them to the forefront. Will it turn off fans? I think, I think it could because this is what, that's what happened to Glee. A lot of fans got turned off because he made, he made the issue, the story, and then instead of having a story contain an issue, and that, and when Glee started, 
the there was a great story and they had they all had issues but there was a the story took forefront versus it flip-flopped in later seasons and the issue takes forefront and i think that's the one thing that he dances along is that he um he has a problem of walking a fine line do you think the casual viewer will pick that up though um See, here's the thing. I don't think American Horror Story has casual viewers. You can tweet me and let me know if I'm wrong, but this is not this is not the kind of it's a genre show. It's a genre show made by a well-known uh, activist producer. I, I disagree. I think last season was that way, but this season is. I I said something along those lines before, and after seeing the viewer response to this season, seeing how many people I know that had no idea what it was and now are watching it. With with their viral marketing, everything we will have a lot more casual viewers. So I think it's not, it is in your face, but I don't think as many people are going to notice it just because it is the '60s and they're using it in a, they're using it smart. And I think that's one of the good things about having this only be a one season storyline is that they don't have time like Glee to go into. Oh, what are we going to talk about this time? Oh, let's come up with this. This is going to be, they have to use more straight to the point. Remember in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, when they had a very special episode of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, I just don't, um, that's how, what Glee became. And I don't want this well, to become a very special episode of American nice. Horror Story. Let's let's go ahead and get back to the show, though. Um, yeah, so we're talking about Sister Jude's past, right? Um, and what do you th- what did you guys think of the whole hit and run? Were you expecting there to be something so like traumatic in her past as her being drunk to lead her to the nunnery? Um, yes. I did not. I did not see that coming. I, I didn't, okay, I, in a weird, I knew something was there, but I just didn't know what. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, now it makes sense. You know, now it makes sense why. Because remember, also, Jed was saying, it's, how hard is it being the smartest person in the room and no one pays attention to you? Because of that clam between your legs. That was, oh. that was, they, that was the rest of the line. Jack I know. Like giving this crazy No, face. I just, I, I mean, this is what I mean by, I mean, this episode was arguably very, like, woman-centered. And I feel that this is what I mean by heavy-hitting. It's, like, people like me watching this, I'm, like, hearing line after line after line of, like, derogatory references to to women, it's hard for me not to notice that you're making a political statement. Mm-hmm. I think even not knowing anything about the show, I would think that. But um, this is a weird topic in that scene. She looks almost the same age, when do you think this age is? Like, <laughs> I noticed that. Yeah. Do you think this happened a long time ago? Do you think that's like that's a budget choice? That's a, that was like a budget problem, or do you think this is a specific choice? Like, this happened two years ago, because and it, now she's here. Because last season, when they did her like flashbacks, didn't they like CGI her a little bit or like dollar up a little? Just bit? Just a bit. Yeah, they changed her up a little bit. Well, how do you guys think that time is? Do you think this happened a long time ago? Do you think this happened recently? I think it's a matter of a year or two. Okay. I mean, maybe her her medication is her getting the position as the head of this thing. Like that's medicating herself. Is that what she? But believes? for her to have moved up that quickly, see, that is the thing that was bizarre yeah. to me because I'm like, it seems like she's been working her whole life at this, right? But the flashbacks, I'm like, first off, like lounge singer, you would think that a younger, I don't, like stereotypically a younger person would be whoring themselves out when they're like. I don't know. I, I just find it bizarre that, uh, like, an older woman would be, like... Well, they're, they're army guys, so, I mean, where, where else would an older woman go for it? 
because she can pick up. No, that came out totally wrong. Dear Army viewers, would you do it, old woman? Please don't listen to that. But it's it's kind of the same concept of cougars. I mean, cougars go after the young men who are lusting, and who is lusting more than a soldier who just got back on retrieve? But like, uh, so do you think this is Vietnam War era, World War II? Well, it's nineteen sixty four. No, no, I mean in the flashback. Oh, in the flashback. Because we have military guys. I'd say it's probably still like 1960. Like it's really not so much a huge, not like World War II, but still something. So Vietnam. Yeah. Vietnam. Vietnam was 70s. But then she does have her. Didn't Vietnam start in the 60s? We'll figure it out. Tweet us. She's a promiscuous woman, but she's still got her boundaries. Like the guy said, uh, oh, we can't take you home. The baby's at home. Like that kind of threw her off. I think that was a big. Do you think they happened in the same night? Wait, 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 Retry, uh, repeat that last part again? Well, remember she was drinking at the cabaret club. She has right. a cigarette. And then he says, she says, take me home, darling. He says, no, the baby's at home. I can't. And then the next scene you see is her drinking with a cigarette in a cup in her car. Yes. Driving. So that's I the same night. I absolutely think that's the same night. Because why, like, why so else would the, you do something so upset, like, reckless? Yeah, that's because the night upset. that changed your life. Yeah. And once again, it shows that she was not loved. Right. Well, I, I mean, I think that, yeah, every character. But with that, with that said, um, I had written something about that. You know, because I think deep down said she's a, quite the shrewd woman. And, of course. And, but early on, she used her body to get what she wanted because she wasn't, she wasn't accepted for her mind. Right. So that led her to get that validation through, you know, through sleeping with other men with, as what Jed said, the 53 hoo-hahs <laughs> that she's had inside of her. But Ooh. now <laughs> Jed said something on the way out when she was getting pulled out of the room with the Monsignor. He, he, he told the Monsignor, protect your whore. Yeah. So I'm wondering, you know, couple that with that fir- the first episode where she had that flat, you know, that fantasy scene. So with y- are you saying that you think they're actually having sex? I don't know. I want to know. You know wh- or maybe that was his reference to knowing her fantasy. Yeah. See, uh, that's what I got from it. But I mean, I, I don't know. Well, he knew she was wearing red drawers. Yeah. Yeah, because he like he had that reference to her fantasy. Um, Can we get into Arden at yes, all? I'm, I've yes. I've been like <laughs> We're begging doing it. to go into Arden We're doing it. because there is... A lot. There is one scene in this entire episode that I saw, and I was just like, oh, my God, the symbolism is amazing here. Even JC was like, yes. It's the scene where Mary Nunes had just finished feeding whatever they're feeding, and Arden comes out, and he's like, I got a gift for you. The apple scene. And I was just like, okay, it's a candy apple. Is it poison? No, it's not poison. It is the root of all sin apple you are on my side. This is your reward, and you're going to indulge in this sin. It's Adam handing Eve oh. the apple. It's it's the Wicked Queen handing Snow White the apple. Like it, the acting, though, it was like the way they the way they created an intensity between just the candy apple was just amazing. I really really enjoyed that. And scene. I think her her hesitation was palpable. Yeah. Like he's he's basically shoving it in her face, and she's like, ah, no, and like he basically. Eat it. Right. Like, and like, she and she was having a clear like a, a clear issue with whether or not an, like um, an emotional struggle with whether or not she was going to eat it. She's feeding monsters, potentially dead bodies. <laughs> and she has a struggle with eating the apple. Right. I just love it. She's great at taking orders, <laughs> you know. But that's the that's the interesting thing, though. It's like it, it speaks to the psychology of people because you can do 
you know, you can so, justify one. You can thing. justify one thing, but not another. And mm-hmm. people do it all the time. Yeah. Um, and then the scene with Arden and uh, Shelley. Yeah. Not my favorite scene. Not Wait, your favorite Shelley, scene. Wait, Shelly, Chloe Sevigny. Yes. Yes. The the nympho when she is for just a bit, just five minutes of sunlight. But it's amazing how how it was written because you can tell she's talking down about herself. Mm-hmm. She's talking down about her life and telling a pity story. Yet at the same time, her whole body language is to seduce the doctor. See, and I had trouble with that scene because, honestly, I thought the, the beginning of it was great because it actually revealed something when she said that all men, I, I, I don't remember the exact line, but, you know, about sex and every man, every man wants... Every them. man needs... Yeah. And, and he gave her a look like to to tell me that some of his past, and we found out with the pictures and whatnot, mm-hmm. that he has some sexual deviant behaviors that he's trying to hide, you know, that's starting to come up. Well, do you think Shelley represents everyone's sexuality? Because I think she, I think she is the representation of everybody's like closeted sexual issues, and everyone, everyone in that place, basically shuns her. They're like, oh, this person, oh, this person. But she's the only person that's expressing herself. She's their shame. Right. right. She's their shame personified. But what I didn't get is why did she just... She basically told him everything she was. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of exposition in there. And I was just like... Within yeah, two it mi- got really exposition I was like... Because, uh, well, how else would you do it in a flashback? That was the only other way they could have done it. But that leads me to be, believe one of two things. And I don't think it was lazy writing. I think it might just be... Coin it maybe from the Joker or Batman. Maybe she's just lying about her story, you know. Because why would she just blurt it all out in like minute thirty to give to give Chloe something to do in the scene? Well, there's a there's a great well, and we know it's not a money th- or a, a script thing, or because they've done flashbacks already in this episode. So we, I agree. I think it might be you. You're not supposed to know what is true or not coming out of her mouth, right? So, th- but there was a very powerful line that she said in that, and that was, "It's not for self; it's for country." When she, when her her husband walks in on her having a three way, they have another. I mean, this is another reference to Navy personnel, like mm-hmm. the military being active. So you still got to think about what's going on right there. And then it's not for self; it's for country. And then the next thing she says is, "And they didn't do anything to stop him." As as he threw her in the asylum, so it's okay. kind of like. Oh yeah, it's, I'm doing this for the country, but the country won't do this. Don't help me in this respect. Right. So that was kind of an interesting line. That is interesting. We're really breaking this sucker down. A lot. Um, oh, yeah. So, so Doctor Arden, I think we should move on then to the next scene where you're like, okay, he's poo pooing her sexuality, and in the next scene, he basically gets a prostitute, prostitute. who looks like either Mary Eunice or Sister Jude. I, I would Mary say Mary Eunice. Eunice. Yeah. Okay. We know that his obsession is with Mary Eunice. He yes. Puts, he makes her put on a nun costume. He like he wants to he wants to paint up paint up a whore basically. So he's playing all this fancy music. Wants her to drink like the most expensive cabernet you'll ever drink in your life. Right. And then she finds out that um, he is chopping up bodies. Yes. Well, you don't know that he's chopping up bodies. That's true. Because there is like. I mean, of course, he has pictures of lots of bondage and things like that. Right. But then you see the pictures of the chopped up bodies. Is he using the bodies that Bloody Face chopped up and see, taking this, pictures of them? Right. See, this is also... And then you hear... Now, if we can hearken back to... Um, oh, my gosh. I keep wanting to use while you're, the wrong While name. you're looking out... Kit's story. Okay. Um, back to Kit's story... The bodies, some of those bodies were, like, decapitated and looked like they were drained of blood, just like, um, 
just just like the Kit's alien story. Well, yeah. And so it's like, where does bloody face tie into the drained blood? And, and this is what is so captivating. It's like you have now enough pieces of the puzzle to to want to try and add up the puzzle. Well, if whereas you, I didn't feel that way last week. I don't know if you caught this because I barely registered it. But when Kit was talking to uh, Doctor Oliver, mm-hmm. he said that they're still alive. Like his wife. Yes. He said I he saw- believes his wife is still alive. He said, I saw her decapitated body, but then I've seen her after that. Right. So, so, so he thinks that they use someone else or something like that. Um, still too early, I think. This it's, makes yeah, me wonder, too- though, some of these hearken to like uh, very specific like New Orleans ghost and vampire stories. I wonder if that's part of like the research that they have done, like uh, American folklore. Well, the, it, you, you're, you've actually hit on something. It was um, in that, I don't know if it was that area, but they're relating on the boards. They're talking about the lemon heads. And, the, and that, that's what they were talking about. Um, it's this this group of like cannibals that would eat the pe- the people outside of the, the insane asylum. And um, gosh, I, I mean, if you guys know the story, just send us the info on it. But you're close to something, actually, Jackie. It's it, it's very similar to the these like serious cannibals that had oh god, they had like and wa- they were were they they were Americans? Yes, no, no, yes. no. This is very similar to like to the whole thing we're because I feel like Clip. this is yeah, this is American folklore. Like mm-hmm. I think they they are referencing it's an American horror story. They're referencing specific folklore that people here would know. Now I wanted to actually talk about well, you know, since we we're talking about Arden and when he was there with his prostitute, he said some. He said actually a few things that I think this episode when we see it, at, let's see when the season's done, mm-hmm. we're gonna look back and this episode. Is going to have so many clues. Yes. Of, and we're like, oh, oh, Yes. Oh. And um, first thing, I, I find the anticipation more erotic than the act itself. So when you were talking about, you know, him chopping people up, I don't know if he's necessarily chopping the people up. I think he enjoys the torture of it. He yeah. sends other people to do it for him. He enjoys the process. So he, maybe he's, he's maybe, the puppet master. Maybe our rumors of him being the one who's containing bloody face are true then. Yeah, we had somebody. A fan said that that they thought that maybe he was the bloody face was the person in the room um, with the scratched walls, or that some other people think that he is bloody face. And finally, with when he was listening, remember he quoted Chopin when he was when he had her listen. Okay, but that tells me also that something happened when he was a kid, and he lost his one true love. Because he, he was just, he was in that moment when he was explaining about lost love. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm thinking that's, that's the genesis of his, of his, his path where it led him I'm to. I'm not sure it was, was a two-sided love, though. Maybe mm-hmm. even when he was a kid, he had an obsession. Because he doesn't seem like a person who would have a like, healthy functioning relationship at any point in his life. And I want to I watch out for one thing. Like, I'll be able to know a little bit more after we find out who Bloody Face's next victim is. But... Bloody Face is around the asylum. Nobody knew, like, how would Bloody Face know about uh, Wendy? Like, the fact that he chose Wendy as his victim after Wendy, after Wendy's trying to get her back out, get Lana back out using a lawyer, like, trying right. to call people and everything and retract her statement. Um, so that kind of shows us that Bloody Face is definitely Has involved to know the people. Yeah. in that storyline. Oh, yeah. So even Jude is not exempt from perhaps being Bloody Face. That is true. Just throwing that out there. Mm-hmm. That and, is true. Well, that's the only person that knew. Yeah. Really. What would happen with Wendy and Lana and with Sister Jude. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so, but speaking oh. of uh, 
random coinkydinks. Can we actually just mention, first off, as the only uh, woman on this panel, I would... Who's who's running the back? Is it Phil or Marissa? No, it's Marissa. No, it's Phil. Hey, Phil. So there, I can say, I as the only woman on this panel, uh, and having so much like offensive crap shoved in your face throughout the whole episode, and I, I love the episode for being, I love it for being controversial. I'm not saying I dislike it, but that moment of sweet retribution when she knees him in the crotch and then runs off, I was like, thank you, God. <laughs> Unnecessary roughness. Welcome to Jackie's soapbox. I, I needed something like that at the end of the episode. I was just like, okay, finally. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't really want to see her get killed by him because then it would have just opened up too much bullcrap with that. But no, actually, what I was saying, speaking of getting neat in the nuts, no, I'm just totally let's kidding. Let's talk about let's the talk, escape. No, let's talk about <laughs> iTunes and how you can definitely oh. find us there and yes. subscribe and comment and talk about how amazing our American Horror Story Asylum show is. Wouldn't you say? Because we definitely like seeing those comments. Yes, we do read the comments and um, we and take them into consideration. Makes it super interactive. What ideas, any segments you guys want to see, just let us know. Um, so... After iTunes, moving on to the escape, which yes. is the big, the big shebang here. Um, it is. They a the filming of this was amazing. I loved. I I love the red light filter. I love the doors opening. Have you guys ever been to um, Alcatraz? Yes. The that is what it reminded me of the the clank 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 of the doors mm. all opening. Well, we we start we start the whole. Uh foreshadowing of the escape earlier in the episode when it shows uh, Lana listening in on them talking about the tunnels. Right. And of course Lana already knows about the tunnels because she was with uh, Sister Mary Eunice going through them and that's when they found her and captured her and everything. Right. But then Escape is a major theme here I think with all the characters. I think because nobody wants to be there. Mm -hmm. Well of course but they they really take it to the whole other level like trying to figure it out and then she tries to make the deal with, uh, with Grace. Right. And why do you think she hates Kit so much. Of course, there's a suspicion that he was the uh, that he's bloody face. I was going to ask you that question. I think she fervently. Yeah. I I mean, there are, I've I've read a lot of different articles and a lot of different takes on it. I think she, that she fervently believes that. I think she has just sold it to herself that uh, she walked in in the last episode firmly believing that he was bloody face. So we have no. We have no other reason to think that she doesn't just firmly believe that. And if you th- really, really thought someone was a volatile killer, would you be like, oh, yeah, I'll have them escape with me? She's, Heck no. She was just doing, no. doing the right thing. And what right. she believes is the right thing. And remember, she only sees just a narrow view. We get to see everything. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's why we know that. That's why we're Kit, like, Tate's are. are <laughs> you're Kit, gonna, we're going to put you in the Kit, penalty box every time Kit, you say Tate. Kit. But, Kit is our hero. He's our hero. Right. So, I mean, we we don't sh- necessarily, as audience members, share that same view. But for her, it's all she's she a killer. But for, it, it just seems kind of annoying to me that, I guess that is, again, is some characters have their character flaws, and that's her character flaws, that she, doesn't ju- she judges right. people by what they see. But he, everything he's done around her has been to help her move along. And she still just will not let up at all. He he covered her notes. Uh, him and uh, Grace were going to help her get out. Speaking of Grace, there was that great scene of the showing some skin in the steam room. <laughs> that was a that was a thumbs up to that. <laughs> Fantastic scene there. No, um, now the thing. Now here's I want to bring up Grace really quick. She's so captivating. Is it, I just want to know more. She's, she's so captivating. She's an angel. 
Aww. I, no, no, but no. But would an angel be so mean to... It's so sexy. It's, <laughs> Think of it this way. Okay, she's trying to... Last week, and this week too, she's trying to get Kip out. Right now, when she brought up to Lana that we have to help Kip get out as well, and Kit, uh, uh, Kit, sorry, and <laughs> not that I didn't think he was Tate five minutes ago, no, but but Lana was just like, no, 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 absolutely not, absolutely not, and she says, you don't trust anyone, and I understand what that's like, and and then Lana kind of just dropped down her walls, and she related to to uh, Grace just a little bit more because in a way, I think she's trying to put them both together for that for Kit and Lana to escape. To, to become allies. The, the only way they're going to get out is by helping each other out. So I think she, honestly, I think in the end she is just like some sort of age of member because now we had the exorcism. Yeah. The well, because we can pro- project anything we want on her because we don't know a lot about her. And that's what makes her such a captivating character is that there's not, everybody else has already had some element of their backstory revealed. And she's the only one that we don't know anything about, really. Well, her and Pepper. Yes. Except for except for we know Pepper baby, chopped yeah, off. Yeah. See, we still even know part yeah, of Pepper's backstory. Right. It's too it's too early. So so after um, so it ends with um, the exorcism. The exorcism caused the doors com- to open. T- caused the doors to open. Um, Sister Mary, this is a. Have you guys seen the movie Fallen? No. Uh, it had Denzel Washington. Yes, it's been years since and, I've seen that. And uh, basically, once like one person dies, the Satan character moves to the next person. Yes. Mm-hmm. So this is that's ex- exactly what I thought of too. Is as we're talking about movie references Time here. Um, is on my side. Yeah, I, I yes, really wanted is. her to sing that as the as <laughs> the spirit came out and hit her in the face. So now we know that she's possessed, mm-hmm. and so she kind of. Um, I think she was trying to turn Doctor Arden on in that. Oh, last scene. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. She was awake the whole time. Yeah. So that's going to be neat to see now because we've seen Sister Mary Eunice in a certain way these first two episodes. Now she's going to be the opposite, it seems like. you know, Because she, she, know, she knows a lot about Dr. Arden. And she, right. She's going right. to use all his little weaknesses against him. Now, this is a fascinating story twist. Yeah, I yeah, love because, it. Because Arden has something on everyone. Right. No one has anything on him. Right. Until now. So the scene ends with uh, them, uh, or them, Kit being whipped, and then we have, uh, is there anything else you guys want to say? Well, Kit was not only whipped, he was, well, Grace is like the angel, like, taking, well, I guess Grace wasn't the one who did it, Kit was it for Grace. Right. Kit took the whips for Grace, so instead of... 20 lashes each, he got 40 lashes, and they made her, I love this, I love when they're like, oh, but you made the right choice and turned them in. Here's your reward. Open that door. Open that door. You don't know what the hell you're going to see. And then she opens the door, and they come in and choose which weapon you want me to give him the lashes with. Oh, it's just well, so... Well, it's just like, this is this really is a prison place. It's like, you know, your your prize is depressing. Yeah. Um, well, so will, will Lana now believe more in Kit, or does he just think he's that much more manipulative? I think he did that for the one, for the sole reason of trying to win her over, of course. Because mm-hmm. she was in the room, he was like, wait. And he's like, this is the only way I'm going to ever, like, get her, is to prevent violence to a woman, so you know that I'm not trying to be violent towards the women. Right. So, Jackie, what, what do you what do you think? Um, do you think she's buying it or not? Do you think this is who is Lana buying Kit's move right there? I think Lana. I think Lana has a big heart, and I think she. I think that shows something to her. I think, I think that's that kind of sacrifice speaks to her. Okay. I wonder what she's going to do when she finds out that Wendy's dead. 
we shall see. Maybe unless, unless, like you said, Wendy's uh, bloody face is wearing Wendy's face. Although bloody face is not very good at wearing people's faces, so yeah, uh, yeah, I think she would notice if Wendy had a bloody kind of mashed up version of her own face. I would hope. Yeah. I would hope that she would notice that. So, um, moving on so you got to any news and gossip. For news us? and gossip. After Buzz yeah. TV news. Uh, the report released Wednesday by American Association of University Women graduating uh, to a pay gap is called the re- is a report shows women are less likely than men to be fully employed one year out of college and when they do have a steady job women are earning less in their first year out of college millennial women are paid eighty two cents for every dollar paid to their ma- male peers with many of those college graduates saddled with student loans the pay gap is making student debt more burdensome for women um, I also had a note here about I'm not going to read the whole thing but there's basically a hurricane headed for the East Coast that they're calling Frankenstorm. I just thought that was interesting in light of the show because we have a nor'easter in the next uh, episode. So predictions for that? I I have to say, though, I'm really confused as to why they did a blackout and then a nor'easter. It just seems like the same storyline. Now, explain to me what a nor'easter is. Uh, Like like a windstorm? Isn't it a windstorm? I don't know. Go ahead. If you know what a nor'easter <laughs> is, I just know it's a storm. Watchtower base, um, people at chat roll, let us know. I'm, I can check out my Twitter right now. If you tell us what a nor'easter is within the next two minutes, you're on the clock now. In the meanwhile, let me go ahead and tell you about our wonderful shows here at AfterBuzz TV. We're running a great <laughs> fall lineup of over 50 shows a week. Like what? I don't know. We have American Horror Story Asylum, as well as great shows like Dexter, Here Comes Honey Boo Boo. What about RuPaul's Drag Race? That's a good one. I engineered for that yesterday. And don't forget the X Factor on Wednesdays. X Factor. Nice. Okay, we're back. Okay, guys. So, um, where can they find well, you guys? We have the official definition. Oh, Nor'easter. Thank you, Phil. Nor'easter, according to online, is a type of macro scale... According to Bing.com. That's right. Yes. <laughs> is a macro scale storm along the east coast of the United States and Atlantic Canada. So... Uh, so named because the storm travels to the northeast from the south and the winds come from the northeast, especially in the coastal areas of New England and Atlanta, Canada. Uh, by the way, I suck at reading because I'm reading half sideways. You sound so sarcastic. Uh, this type of storm has characteristics similar to a hurricane. More specifically, it describes a low-pressure area whose center of rotation is just off the east coast and whose landing winds is left forward quadrant rotate onto land from the northeast. And Phil will be right back. That? And Phil will be right back with our five day right after the break. <laughs> okay. So that is blackout number two, I guess. That is. Uh, I'm, um, do we wonder, have any predictions? I have. And now you're after Buzz TV predictions. <laughs> All right, Stephen. <laughs> so what do you see next week, man? I can't. I just don't you even. This is the hardest show to have predictions on. I, really, I'm sorry because I know I'm going to be wrong. It's. I. I just don't want to say anything because I'm like I know whatever I say is not is not going to be right. It's just not. It's just not. All right. Except for aliens from the future, I'm sticking with that. Okay. We. we you know what? Actually, people from the future, not of, actually. Aliens. Instead of looking at predictions that way, how about looking at the way some unanswered questions like that thing that came out of Kit's neck where is that are we going to see that back is that going to be explained what are the stuff the things we want to see for next week those may be the questions maybe questions slash slash predictions maybe something like that like that's mine I want to know where that little alien cockroach went to (laughs) 
Um, any, any questions? Future questions? Anyone? I want to know. Um, I want to know what Sister Mary is going to act like now that she's possessed. Oh hell yeah! I'm very yeah, excited that's, for that's that. Gonna be cool. I'm excited, but for a different reason than you, Jackie. So hey, I'm a guy. I'm sorry. I want to know what they're feeding out in that area. Yes, I want to Frankenstein see monster business. And I want to know what that is, and I want to know what the aliens are, and I know I'm not going to find out next week. Prediction-wise, I'm going to say that uh, Dr. Oliver catches Arden in a sticky situation during the blackout. Yeah. So, uh, I would say a character. Someone will. Someone. Well, someone will, but I think it's going to be Dr. Oliver because he's going to be doing, oh, there's a blackout. I can go around this whole area and inspect it without much trouble. You think next week? Maybe mm. not next week, but I think it's definitely going to happen. No, because then it would nullify, uh, since Sister Mary Eunice knows everything about the doctor. She has the secrets, remember? I think we're going to see more of Jenna Dewan Tatum running. Yeah. <laughs> Lots and, of running. And somehow a little, even even though Adam <laughs> So Levine, where can they find you guys? You can find me at The Everyday Man. You can find me at Stephen Lemieux. I'm at 123JackieB. Um, and side note, if you want to know what that song is that keeps playing in the um, in the asylum Let me lobby, know right now. I know. So follow me on Twitter and I'll tell you. Oh, a tease, everybody. Bam. Hey, Phil, where can they find you, buddy? They can find me here at AfterBuzz TV and on Revenge After Show. Oh, yes. And uh, making fun of JC every now and then. He does that quite often. Go. Every now and then, yeah. And you like, can find all of us at AfterBuzz TV. Good night, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Woo. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, see you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 